Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidrich to review Friday's episode of The Rampage, baby. This is Rampage. I love how the explosives keep going at the end yeah. of that one. Uh, it was Friday night. You know what that means. What did you make of this show? Thought it was good. Thought it was very, very fun. Yeah, I thought it was eclectic in its action, um, some real good competitive professional wrestling to begin, and some really nice, light, holiday, fun, silly relief at the finish. It was very good. I didn't give that much of a toss about it, if I'm being <laughs> brutally honest. <laughs> yeah, it did year, not it? really warrant my emotional investment. Um, but, you know, it was different enough. It was fun. A lot of thought and a lot of physical commitment went into it. Like, you could tell lots of fun was had mapping out the main event. Lots of blood was lost in the opening match. So, you know, I can't doubt the commitment. It's everything I've wanted Rampage to be, more or less. Yeah. For several months, but at a time of year where I'm like, the World Cup's just happened. And I watched this uh, episode of Rampage this morning. So I... There's a reason why wrestling should have an off-season. Mm. And when the biggest things in the world are going on of entertainment, like it's kind of wrestling, for me, just pales in comparison. Mm. Um, yeah, I kind of went into this. I watched this. So uh, I watched SmackDown first thing on Saturday because I was so excited about the potential of stuff. And it was, you know, a wild show. Go and check out our SmackDown review. Rampage, I was. it was not such a central viewing. But I sat down on Sunday night after the... Best World Cup final ever, let's I be honest. I think it's the best game of football I've ever seen. Quite possibly. Certainly certainly in terms of drama, like, it was like the WrestleMania main event. Yeah. But also incredibly dramatic. It's things like that, and I, they used to have this with, uh, with MMA as well, to a certain extent, where I'm like, how can they have drama like this in not predetermined sports, and WWE can make stuff boring. Because Vince McMahon was well, in charge granted, of it yeah. for so many years. It's, uh, <laughs> but it's like, inexplicable. It's, it's like, you know, uh, the, the, the insanity that can go on in someone's family, and yet 
soap operas are just like, yeah, just gonna have a quiet, ploddy episode this week or a wedding that just goes to plan. With uh, I got annoyed just on a general wrestling point. There's not that much to talk about this episode of Rampage. Let's be honest about it. So as a general point, right? First thing I do when I wake up on a Saturday, unless, right, there's a really strong Rampage card or, like, a match where I think I'm going to have to... To cash to Moxley. Yeah, I'm going to have to dedicate my time to this one, first and foremost. Honestly, or Shibata, I suppose, Yeah, yeah, yeah. The more buzz I get is, right, I think the Bloodline stuff's genuinely excellent, fatally flawed in terms of its logic, but excellently performed. Mm. And I just get a buzz off how terrible Bray Wyatt is. Just I absolutely <laughs> buzz off how this guy, like nine years after he made his main roster debut, just calamity upon calamity, and yet there's still this conversation. You'll never, ever get a better, more succinct explanation of how creatively, creatively bankrupt that this company is, that the flawed, fatal promise of another Bray Wyatt push still is potent to this audience nine years deep it's mm. ridiculous and i'm watching it in this whoever they get to play uncle howdy even under this masking intelligence from jabron no mark um giving it the big chivalrous southern dandy by the way he's touching his uh lapels, lapels and doffing his cap and laughing out of sync with a laughter track that even if he timed it perfectly it's well it's not you laughing yeah you conveying, I don't know what you're trying to convey. Someone on Reddit could help me out. Knobheads, right? <laughs> and I'm watching this, and it's embarrassing, and it looks so terrible. Like, the thing is, I think live action horror, I've never actually been to see a really good production of it, but by all accounts, uh, you ever seen The Woman in Black perform live? I've heard all about this. I'm not a horror guy, so, but yeah, I've heard people like terrified yeah, in the like, theatre, which is a surreal thing. Yeah, like, by all accounts, it's a... The, the, adapted it for the screen yeah, with yeah, um, yeah. Radcliffe and stuff, but apparently, and I've never seen a good production, obviously I've seen any production of it, in fact, but apparently there's a stage show entitled The Woman in Black. It's an old traditional English ghost story, um, and it's petrifying mm. live. I think um, they have certain... In the seats next to you, or in the aisles oh. and stuff, and like they'll do the camera trickery and the smoke and mirrors, and then someone's right next to you, and it's like meant to convey a ghostly presence, and it's meant to be just so incredibly well done that live in person they are able to deliver a truly scary horror experience. When horror is a genre, it tends to work through um, smoke and mirrors, jump cuts, editing. Yeah, yeah. Your inability to see the monster and the way the camera can put someone like Michael Myers in the background of a shot, lurking menacingly, um, nowhere near the foreground. So it's like, that is see something really unsettling there. How far away is he from the, the, the danger of other people? So it works so much better in the context of film. Guess what? WWE is both. <laughs> and it should be. It's, yeah. They have so much money to make this not look terrible. So much money not to make this look absolutely terrible. I'm watching this Uncle Howdy and I'm thinking, how's anyone meant to be scared, right? And if it's not meant to be really scary, then why am I watching it? If it, if the horror character in professional wrestling isn't scary, then just be a professional wrestler instead. Yeah. Like, I'm up, and like, I just think people like the aesthetics of it, I guess. Um, it's not remotely imposing, menacing, eerie, unsettling, frightening. You don't get a jump scare. You don't get the sense of unease. You don't get any single bad but yet 
drawn to this feeling that horror across its many forms and subgenres can possibly evoke within you watching this nonsense that is Uncle Howdy. If it was scary or people were scared and I personally wasn't, I wouldn't begrudge it. If it was like well done, yeah, but I wasn't personally scared, I would say, you know what, not for me, but I can see why people gravitate towards this. I've got no earthly idea. I have that with the House of Black stuff outside of the ring. Like, it's not for me, them setting pyres and blah, 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 blah. In the ring, love it. Yeah, I don't find the House of Black scary. I just think they do pretty on-the-nose visual metaphors for, like, rising up from the dead. And I don't think they do anything that's meant to be scary that isn't an extension of their physical prowess, like a Brody King, for example. This is different. This is absolutely horrific. And, my God, all I could do when I watched that World Cup final on Sunday, once I, you know, had to get my wrestling brain on for work and whatever ahead of this week, was chase that, and you've got that Uncle Howdy looking pitiful LA Knight, who, without whom, this program of Bray Wyatt, can you imagine anyone except LA Knight as the foil? It would have died an even quicker death Mm, than the latest Bray Wyatt bollocks has inevitably died. It's a good job he's got the force of will and the personality yeah. and the and the charisma to actually make something of this because and even he was like scared of this. It's like, how how are you scared of this? Why isn't wrestling seeking to emulate the storytelling of that World Cup final? Mm. Why am I why am I looking at Uncle Howdy? Look, it's Gunther versus Ricochet. It was a literal way of trying to emulate the World Cup thing. And I'll you know, that was a great match. Yeah. But they're still just Soapy horror bollocks. I'm just watching that image of Uncle Howdy and then the way that this World Cup, in spite of the horrific circumstances yes, surrounding obviously. it, of which we should never lose sight, has captured the imagination of everyone because it was so goddamn thrilling and great. And he not only had this incredible drama, but the actual purveyors of the sport are unbelievable. The clash between Messi and Mbappe was just ridiculous. Yeah. Like The narrative twists like, Christ, I don't even think the Young Bucks could do that as many twists in one match as them. Messi lost the ball for France's equaliser. You thought that is the symbolic moment of him reaching the very, very last stage of the game that is football and just losing the final boss fight in such a cruel fashion. Mm. And then he scores again. It's ridiculously exhilarating. Wrestling can be that. Wrestling should be that. Why am I watching Uncle Howdy when I just watch that literally... (laughs) Like, it, 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 what, 24, 72 hours later? And it 48, whatever. Why is why is Bray Wyatt here? And it wasn't even the worst thing on that show. Hey. I will always, always bury a bad idea over a bad execution of something. But then again, like, the top dollar spot was the absolute antithesis, again, much in the same, in a different way, sorry, to the Bray Wyatt thing. It was the antithesis of what wrestling should be, but in a completely different way. Mm. And look, the closing angle for SmackDown is very good. The match between Gunther and Ricochet was great, but this is an aberration, I think, for how highly SmackDown peaked. WWE in general is terrible. The whole idea, and Paul Heyman tried to tell people this in the 90s, right, is that you accentuate the positives and you hide the negatives. Exactly, yeah. A more recent frame of reference for that is Minoru Suzuki saying, like, don't be a grey lump of boring, smooth trash. It's because John Moxley can't do shit that makes him a good wrestler. So why 
when luminaries of the sport, and it should be a sport, not Uncle Howdy, have told you, right, how to get the most out of your talent. Are you making Top Dollar do these things? Are you making the Viking Raiders sell for it? Because that's in the script. They should have popped up and, like, animals on flesh gone after his leg, but it's not that because it's WWE and it has to be a certain way. As an 80s movies connoisseur, you'll appreciate this reference. I was watching the, the World Cup final, <coughs> and I genuinely didn't care. It was a perfect game for a neutral like me. I'm not the sort of person who's like, well, I want... I want France to win because they beat us, or I want France to win because I don't like Argentina because of something that happened thirty odd years ago. I don't, yeah. I don't care. I just want, I want the final that. Well, I want the final that we got, not not after seventy five minutes because the Argentina first couple of goals, well, the first, the second goal I should say was beautiful, really nice to watch, but it was a bit like ah, oh, it's kind of. Falling, falling a bit flat, this. Yeah, no, no drama. Yeah, and then 70 minutes from that moment on, great stuff. But I, the only the only care I had, and I've mentioned this before, is I have this group with quite a few wrestlers. Ricky Starks, for example, just off the top of my head. I think Olivier Giroud, and my wife is aware of this, is an absolute piece, right? So there was a bit of me that's like, I want to see that handsome man kiss a trophy. He's already done it. And think... Oh, I want to be the World Cup trophy. <laughs> and then, here's the reference you're going to love. The bad boy from the other side of the tracks. I've got, I've got, I'm, I'm dating Olivier Giroud in this metaphor, right? We're just in the high school and we're happy and we're going to be prom king Why and queen. Are you in the high school? I don't know. <laughs> That's a bit nonsense. Yeah, you're not just trying to get a Ignore, reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to be prom king and queen and all that, right? And then the bad boy. Emmy Martinez from the other side of the tracks comes in and goes with a trophy and does all the stuff that I've seen him do for many years. I watched him. It was the Copper America that I fell in love with him when he's just like, you f***ing suck at taking penalties, bro. I'm going to save this. And he does. And he wins them the Copper America and he's done it numerous times and you watch him dance on the line and he's been done by Mbappe twice in the game and he's like, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because Mbappe might have the cheat code, but that's because Mbappe is one of the greatest players of all time already. Yeah, and he's like three goals off winning the most, uh, scoring the most goals at World Cup, and he's like twenty-two or something he's like, ridiculous. He's, he's twenty-four in about two weeks or something. Yeah, like that. that's absolutely obscene. They were literally on com- on the post recap. We will talk about Rampage in a second, I promise. Um, they were literally talking on the recap, Lineker and uh, Rio Ferdinand. That's right. I didn't watch ITV. Sam Matterface ruining World Cup finals for everyone. Right. Um, they were literally oh, saying, he's got about three World Cups at least left in him. And I was like, Jesus. Miroslav Klose was like 40 going past my little lads. I could score this one. Yeah. To the... Insane. But um, yeah. Absolutely insane. One more thing, just on the World Cup. I was really pushing for Argentina because I just got this thing about legacies and people who are so talented and so driven. I like to see them succeed. Yeah. Like the Michael Jordan thing, that story is great. Oh, I yeah. wanted Messi for his contributions to the sport and my enjoyment of it. I have that moment, and I'm so glad that he did. And just my also my love of storytelling and narrative. Like I was love Roger Federer for that reason. Yeah, and I resent Djokovic because he's nowhere near the guy that Federer Same. is overtaking him for the Grand Slams. So it's a bit of that with Messi and Ronaldo. Like the storytelling of Ronaldo's implosion, his fall from grace of which he was the architect, for that to happen in parallel with Messi come, becoming the undisputed greatest player and of all Piers time. And Piers Morgan insisting, no, Messi sucks. And I was like, no. It's just, that's... Uh, it's a go- the conversation's finished. 
Oh, it's finished now. I think it's one of those things where you don't... I reluctant to bury one person's exactly. achievements to put the other over, but Ronaldo's a complete piece of shit, so... <laughs> and I, I get it. I do... I appreciate the fact. I acknowledge the fact that we were blessed to have I been around for, uh, for, be, for both of these players. But... What a story. But what a story. And the... Uh, yeah, the wonderful nature of it. He scores scores twice in the final, not just from the... He's not just P&L Pessy. He scores from open play as well. Um, or Lionel Pessy. But he also scored in every... scored in the group stage, scored in the round of 16. Scored Most in assists finals. in the competition. Like, it wasn't just a the great... The only thing ruined it was the... Yeah, yeah, that was terrible. It wasn't just a great team featuring Messi who... Done some stuff. He was like the talisman yeah. again. I love the Aguero bit though. That was might might have been one of my favourites as well. Aguero going full John Terry. Like he was like the fourth person I saw on the pitch after they won the World Cup. Yeah. And I was like, brother, I love you. And you're responsible for some incredible football moments. If I say wrestling moments then, hey, we can make a leap into that if he wants. But uh it's ain't your it's ain't your victory, mate. No. <laughs> Absolutely bloody not. But uh yeah. Anyway. AW Rampage. Yeah, so I went into watching this Rampage. That's what I was going to say. I went into watching this Rampage being a bit like, right, 45 minutes, bish, bash, bosh. We know the result of all the matches, probably, and I'm not really going to feel anything, and I'm barely going to be keeping an eye on this. I left this show thinking, that's one of the best squashers I've seen this year. Yeah. I had a load of fun in the main event, and I was repulsed by the opener. So let's get into it. Not by the wrestling, by the way. Obviously, I think you can probably figure out what I'm going to be replaced yes. by. Place your bets now. Uh, John Moxley versus Sammy Guevara starts the show. Um, uh, Guevara knees Moxley straight away, just jumps all over him. Uh, and whilst uh, Guevara and Moxley are brawling out on the floor, you see Daniel Garcia hmm, taking notes uh, from the back because he's being mentored by Sammy Guevara. Now, um, yeah, they're out on the floor. Uh, Mello, Tay Mello's there, obviously. It distracts Moxie, allows Guevara to take over and uh, hit with a knee strike. But then Moxie crotches Guevara on the barricade and sends him into the crowd. Uh, they eventually get back into the ring, and Guevara eats this amazing cutter. It looked like he killed it. I was like, yeah. cool, like, that must be the finish from Moxie. Lands right on his head. Uh, Superplex gets Moxie a near fall. Guevara goes up top, and they exchange back rakes. Um Moxley drops to the apron and Guevara comes off the top with a stomp to him um, and uh, Moxley collapses to the floor as we go to a split-screen break. Um, but I did keep an eye on the split-screen. Right, I'll tell you what, I went usual. Uh, it's all right, so what comes... Well, you know, normally, they just sort of... Ooh, Wrestle a bit slowly. Yeah. And then I went, wait a second, something's happened here. During the split-screen bit, Guevara pulled out Moxley's earring with his teeth and... Bites his ear, chews on his ear. Um, it's gone from, oh, you know, oh, you've cut your ear or something while shaving to... Why do you shave it? I don't know, yeah. You've, you've really gone for it. Oh, I don't yeah. know. You're going to complete the wrong way and you, you've really over, overcommitted yourself. Yeah, that, that old snafu. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell I don't really have that much of a problem yeah, with shaving. Yeah. These tiny bum fluff on my face. Um, but yeah, it's gushing now. It's coming out of his ear. It's... All over Guevara because he's working over the cut. He's elbowing it. He's constantly biting it. He's he's doing the the BJ Pen licking it off his hands sort of thing. Um, Moxley fires back up, chops him. Uh, Guevara uh, takes the ref, and Mello goes for the ear as well. And then Guevara and Mello 
as ugh, their normal shows of affection for each other are. Add Moxie's blood to that, and I'm going, um, and then obviously that distracts Sammy enough that Moxley can just dive out and take his head off. Um, and Mello just gets out of the way at the last second. Um, Guevara hits the springboard cutter for a near fall, goes for the GTH. Moxley counters that into a, an attempt at a power bomb, but Guevara counters that into a Boston Crab. Moxley rolls over and kicks his nice up kick as well. Yeah. That's a bit of uh, MMA, that as well. Uh, they get back to their feet, exchange forearms. Guevara's arm is red now, not because it's been worked over, because it's covered in Moxley's blood. Um, Moxley floors Guevara the exchange shots like I say Moxley floors him hits a curb stomp for a near fall they fight on the floor Moxley clears a table it ends up because Guevara hits him with some kicks and then um, hits a senton to send Moxley through the table gets him back in Guevara goes for a crossbody Moxley doesn't know where he is but suddenly rolls through and just starts stamping Sammy Guevara's head in um, Moxley hits the pile drive and goes to the bulldog but Guevara Get, tries to get out of it and gets him with a cradle for a near fall. Moxley hits a King Kong Lariat, goes for the Death Rider, uh, but Guevara flips out of it, hits a Death Rider of his own, uh, hits and sent on a Tomiko. That gets a near fall. Uh, there's a superplex spot at the top, um, but Moxley fights out of it. Guevara pops back up and takes Moxley down with a Spanish fly, but Moxley rolls Guevara into the Bulldog Choke, and Guevara passes out to give, ultimately, the win to John Moxley. Uh, I thought this was really, really, really good, verging on great. Um, the story was a bit repulsive, I will grant you that. I can understand why this wasn't everyone's sort of thing, but it drove the idea that you just want to see Sammy Guevara get his face kicked off. Like, what a face he's got to just want that to happen to him. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, as gross as that was and effective as that was, in a way that it got the heat on Guevara because people just wanted this arsehole to <laughs> bleed his own blood. Um, I was so impressed with him on an individual performance and how he made this feel competitive. There was an obvious winner and loser here. Yeah. And they had a match that um, Moxley inevitably won in the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions, the crux of which was Tay Mello has to kick Moxley in the balls, unsighted by the referee, to really drive the drama and shape like, just cast doubt over the outcome. They didn't do that here, and yet it still felt like Guevara was truly going toe-to-toe with them, albeit with the advantage and the blood loss, but it just... I don't know, that just the way they worked it and the way the rhythm of the match sort of progressed, it just felt like he was right there with mm. them all of the time. I think John Moxley is a champion in so many different ways, but the true test is, can you make someone who's so lower than you on the totem pole of the, of the tier list, if you like, of the roster... Like come within a chance of winning or making it seem that way. And I think Guevara truly sort of entered that kind of performance here, abetted by Moxley, obviously. I've often said on this podcast that I bloody love to get driven through a table. It looks quite fun. Mm. In fact, there's certain times I'd rather do that than bumping on the canvas because mm. the way it sort of crumples. I did not have that feeling Ooh. when Guevara put Moxley through the table. That's one of the best table spots I've seen in wrestling all year. It just looked horrific to take. Um, and I don't know if it's because it was covered, and that helps more. Because when you see that nice, pleasing split, everyone knows how it. They shave a little bit of the underside of the table right in the bloody middle so that it goes. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't see that because it was a timekeeper's table. Um, it just worked all the mm. more. Um, but no, I thought it was really, really good. 
Verge aren't great. I don't think it ever got great. But at the same time, this uh, was so much better than the sort of, oh, yeah, it's going to be a good match. Mm. I'm sick of this feud. That's the feeling I had going into it. But I just thought Guevara in particular proved that he's such a great talent. Absolutely. Uh, and then, as anticipated, post-match, Moxley grabs a mic, says, I said where I was going to be. Um, and he says, Cowboy, where are you? I ain't waiting all night. And immediately out comes Hangman Page. Evil Uno's there going, you're not medically cleared. You shouldn't be doing this. You've probably still got a concussion. And he shoves him out of the way. And uh, the brawl is on, but there's security constantly keeping these two men apart. Uh, but Page, uh, get, get off me. He's on the air. Get off me. So the security guard goes to the bookshot lariat, um, but uh, a poor security guard is the one who actually eats it. And Moxie gets dragged off into the crowd and uh, like 20 guys have to take Hangman Page in the complete opposite direction. There's no way they can drag this to revolution, is there? This has to be blown off before then. I trust them implicitly, whatever they do. But yes, I'm with you. It's so intense at this point. But again, the, the head injury wrinkle means that in yeah. storylines, they can't actually sanction any match. So they might play with that. I don't know. All I know is I'm very interested in the direction. They have great brawling chemistry. It really feels like they want to rip each other's throats out, which I've seen so many brawls in AEW. It's one of the primary drivers of storylines with the faction pull-aparts and post-match beatdowns and then the saves. And it's a lot of brawling. This is good brawling. There's an art of brawling. It's not just something you do because your mates are in a fight and mm. you join in. That's not what it is. There's an art to it. This typifies the art of it for me. And um, look, they are selling me something with a storyline that I'm willing to buy because when Han- uh, Hanford, Christ knows, imagine him doing a buckshot Larry, it's a piece of crap. <laughs> when <laughs> Hangman was revving up to do it, I was like, is he going to be able to do this? Yeah. I had that feeling of, well, don't. But I thought, oh, you're getting worked. Good storytelling, good brawling. Um yeah, I can't wait for this rematch because the thing that gets forgotten about, understandably, is that uh, the first 12 minutes of their match were incendiary. Mm, trending in the right direction until the awful thing that happened, but they've played off it brilliantly in the build to this, and I can't wait for these two to get it on. Get it on. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely incredible or anime and under this mask is another mask (laughs) (laughs) you can discover your new favorites right here on the anime effect listen every friday wherever you get your podcast and watch full video episodes on crunchyroll or on the crunchyroll youtube channel quality sleep is essential for boosting energy recovery and well-being so take your sleep to the next level with sleep number With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. 
Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Uh, Soraya gives us a comment about the uh, upcoming hater Sheeta match that goes down on, on Wednesday, of course. We'll be previewing that on the Dynamite preview. Uh, thoughts on Britt Baker, thoughts on Jamie Hater in general, and says there is a, quote, plethora of talent for her to choose from for her mystery partner. Ooh, we've already discussed this in yeah. podcast form. If you want to go and check that out, it's uh, five wrestlers who could be Soraya's major secret Mm. AEW partner, so go on air. Where, where can we find that podcast? Yeah, it's Walk Up Dressing, wherever you get your podcast from, mate. Um, it should really be called The Name. And for people who'd be really disappointing if they yeah, were... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's a mystery partner, but uh, fingers crossed. FDR are in the ring. Um, they've obviously had a rough week. Uh, they lost their AEW uh, Tag Championship match, and then they lost their tag titles, the... Uh, uh, Ring of Honor tag titles on the previous Saturday pay-per-view. Um, and to add insult to injury, Dax Wheeler broke his ass bone and he gets it out. One of the first things I've seen blurred out on AEW television, this. Ah, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I saw a picture of it online and to be fair, yeah, I don't need to see it. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous how, like, did you see the shot of, um, I think it was the bunny in her match against Takara Shida last week when she was um, doing a Tajiri-esque submission on the ropes. Mm. Did you see the way the camera operator shot that? Mm-hmm. Just, like, it made the guy and who went, went up Velvet Sky's arsehole on TNA television blush with how gratuitous it is. It's just, it's just wrestling as such standards. Like, you can't see a man's bare ass, but you can just see, like... They did it again with the, when Ford and Bunny got kicked out later. It was shot a really, like... You need to shoot it like that. Yeah, angle. the double standards are ridiculous in this promotion, and indeed all the professional wrestling. Anyway, uh, shame on them. Yes, Cash Wheeler talks about the 2022 being this legacy year for them, and they're excited to see what they can do in 2023. Uh, Is this how you sell losing a title? For how old school they purport to be, I'm dubious. Mm. They did a good job, but it was very. It's a good modern promo, this. Yeah, they not talk- very, nothing very old school about it. They talk about the dumb ass boys, um, and uh, they're looking forward to putting them in their place. Dax's daughter slagged him off, he reveals. Uh, he walks backstage. I like the fact he said, I walked backstage, I saw my daughter, she ran to me, and I was th- thinking, the first thing he said really shows you what Dax is really like. He said, I was hoping she'd say, good match, daddy. And I was like, really? Not, are you all right, daddy? Yeah. Because you got blood pissing out of every orifice. How many stars did he give it? Daddy. 
Uh, but she said, apparently, those people out there really like you. Why? Right, legendary behavior there. Great stuff. So I think Dax's daughter's a heel now, going forward. <laughs> Regardless, uh, he says, look, yeah, that's what it's all about, making you guys feel. And uh, the ass boys ruined that. And so they're going to do something that should, their dad should have done them a long time ago. They're going to tan their hides. They're going to beat their ass on uh, Dynamite on Wednesday. Look, it was a nice babyface leaning promo that I think might have prioritized the, ro- prioritized the right thing, or the wrong thing. Like at some point, yes, I understand that you've had a great year professionally. Good. You tell me this every single day on Twitter. Your <laughs> characters, your professional wrestling characters, shouldn't be. Um, Dwelling upon and looking back fondly on their 2022 when you've just lost mm. your tag team titles. I think there's a time and a place to stop sucking yourself off. It's a bit off. Cena. Well, yeah. There's a time and a place to stop sucking yourself off. People will still think you've had a great year, even if you don't tell me this one day. This one day um, after you've lost your titles, I just think, okay, come on. I know you've had a great year. People will still believe it if you don't mention it every single fucking day, actually. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, yeah, it just annoyed me a little bit. It really did. Um, Give it a rest, Daddy. And the, and the worst thing is, like, they've done such a stellar job of building and building and building this FTR gun club match. Mm. It's like, I kind of want to see the gun club get their asses kicked because it's been a relentless, obnoxious, but not so oppressive every single week. But it's just it's about time those boys got their asses kicked. They've done a really good job, and it's not been dragging on so long where it's like, why haven't you done the match yet? Yeah. I think they've done this really well for a mid-card TV match, ultimately, but this could have really sold how obnoxious the gun club are and not how obnoxious FTR can be about how good they are. Uh, there's a little Jay Cargill segment, uh, and they've been watching the show. I guess they've seen, um, Layla Gray's seen at least, a little bit of dissension, a little bit of... Uh, not boo-boo face, but sort of snark, let's say. Yes, from, uh, and I know from, all about that. From Red Velvet. And uh, in amongst all this, she's like, Layla's like, oh, Jay, let me let me sort you out. And Red Velvet just does it again. like this. And then Jay's like, oh, yeah, and I'm still doing stuff with Bow Wow or something. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. All I care about was Messi. <laughs> in the World Cup final, how unbelievable it was. Uh, right, then it was time for Britt Baker DMD. Um, with Rebel and the AW Women's World Champion Jamie Hayter against Sky Blue. Uh, went to break like a minute into this match. Surprise, surprise. Women's match gets about five minutes, about three minutes are in an ad break. What's that to say about this? Like next to now, the NXT angle in the post-match as well. Yeah, so Blue, Blue comes back, hits a thrust kick, gets a near fall. Baker comes back with a sling blade, double underhook into a sit-out suplex for a near fall. Blue gets Baker with a small package, goes to the code blue, but it's sort of it's a bit awkward this because she's like, you know, you have to go up to the code red, they jump on their back, and then Arr. we know how that works. I sort of like hop off. Yeah. So, but she sort of said to sit on her and then go, oh, oh you've buckarooed me off. And then just hit a, just kicked her ass and kicked, hit the stomp and got the one, two, three Baker, basically. Post match, Baker puts Sky Blue in the locked jaw, but Sheeta comes out to make the save with a kendo stick. Uh, and lays out Baker and Rebel with shots from it, and then goes face-to-face with Jamie Hayter ahead of their match this Wednesday. Well, an NXT angle to set that bloody match up on Wednesday. That's a bloody shame. I'd like something with a bit more verve, a bit more imagination. Look, the only possible nice thing I can say about this deeply basic segment of professional wrestling television that did nothing to fire me up 
is that Britt Baker has been doing quite a few jobs of late, so they at some point needed to remind you, oh, she can get it done in the ring. Yeah. Um, so this was the sort of thing that will make her next big promo feel earned mm. in that she can back up her words, but in and of itself, just completely inessential stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we get an interview with uh, Preston Vance. Jim Ross sits down with him after his heinous uh, actions recently, obviously making negative one cry and joining... Uh, what are they now? LFI are being called? Or the uh, Roosh family office, whatever they are. Whatever it is. Uh, and he's, uh, Jim's like, what, what are you doing, mate? Come on. And I, lo- I really like Preston Vance here. A, because he's a, he's a handsome bastard. I'm glad he's taken that mask off. And because he goes, Jim, who's your, who's your boss? And he goes, Tony Khan. He goes, oh, so it's not a 10-year-old. So same for me, actually. Uh, and he talks about the history about being cherry-picked by... Uh, Brody Lee and you know the rest of the Dark Order. These schlubs were just already there. He got genuinely recruited. Same for his new family that he had, um, and uh, yeah, he talks about being this college athlete. And look at him; he's great. And then he says, "Negative one has turned into a I'm just. I'm just. I'm just reading the words here, Sige. Snot-nosed, spoiled brat." And he says, "It's time for negative one to grow up." There's your heel promo right there. Jesus, yeah. Look, they're going all in on this. It's good. Again, you know for a fact that they're still really close. Otherwise, they would not be touching this for the pull. Um, but I, it's way better than what he was doing. And there's a few moments here I'm thinking, you prick. Yeah. Don't say that, which is what you're meant to think and say. You do, like, do you think there's a chance that we get... Well, negative, negative one versus ten. Yeah, but like obviously in like nine years or something... Uh, known how Tony Khan operates with some of his mid-card feuds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Matt Hardy's have gone on a bit longer, but, you know, the precedent's there, the precedent is there. <laughs> the private party of Matt Hardy, like, I'm long dead um, of old age. He's still been mentoring them to knee effect. So, next up, I was astonished with what we got next, right? Because they went, Wardlow's in action. And I went, cool, so some guy's getting chucked around. And, and he did. It, it was great. Well, this is what I was about yeah. to get to. So it's been a, quite a week for jobbers in uh, in AEW. Obviously, Action Ambretti was just jaw-dropping. Uh, Meltzer heaped praise on that uh, on Wrestling Observer Radio, quite rightly. And by Sunday night, Sage, I was like, oh, Action Ambretti, don't care about him. Andretti. I love, sorry, doesn't matter anyway, because I love <laughs> Exodus Prime. Who the hell's that guy? I thought it was this incredible bumping he did here. Bump. He goes, like, gets in the ring, and you're like, you know, they normally go, it's Wardlow, there's something, who cares? And I don't, normally I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exodus Prime's like, yeah, he's kissing his muscles. And he looks good. He looked, you know, a million times better than I do. But you're in there with Wardlow. This is not the time to be kissing muscles. And he hits, like, one move or one shot on Wardlow, and he's like, well, guess I've got the match won. Time to celebrate. I thought he pitched this perfect. This was a great uh, two-minute squash because then obviously Wardlow just fires up and you go, okay, headbutt, the big lariat that he does. And then, okay, time for the Powerbomb Symphony. This this is the best Powerbomb, powerbomb Symphony cell I've ever seen. It was so good. He Unbelievable. bumped like crazy. He Rolled onto the top of his head. He looked like a crash test dummy. 
after that second one. He took a couple more after it. I thought this was great. You know when you see like uh, like behind the scenes um, of like the production of a video game, and I can't remember the exact video game terminology used about the way in which character models flail about mm. and stuff like character physics or something like that mm. but it looked like completely unrealistic yeah uh, okay well I guess it's more of a cartoonish game you know this is a guy doing it in real life and it <laughs> looked absolutely incredible for someone who's like Tony stop signing people unless it is Brock Lesnar no more signings in a week I've gone I mean yeah you have to sign Action Ambretti and uh, Andretti Andretti is that, what am I calling it Ambretti Ambretti why am I calling him that I don't know Action Andretti and now I'm like, sign Exodus Prime. Exodus yes, Prime has Exodus to be Prime, all Yeah, he has to be all lead. But Wardlow won, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Post match, he gets on the he gets on the mic and calls calls out Samoa Joe. You know, he's desperate to, to fight him. And the king of television appears on the screen and says, "I'm not fighting in Texas. This toll. I'm not fighting here. Uh, but I will fight you. You'll get everything you want. December 28th, uh, last show of the year, Colorado. We're finally getting the uh, rematch." Yeah, um, I don't think there's a huge appetite for Wardlow to get his title back. I can't see that happening. Um, I. It was weird because when he lost the title, I went, that's dumb. Why are you putting it on Samoa Joe? And then Samoa Joe's just turned it on recently, it feels like. Yeah, he's turned it on in every facet of his game. Um, still looks a bit like Shane McMahon, two minutes into a match, but... To Joel's credit, it takes him eight minutes to turn into that state. <laughs> but look, I'm not the biggest modern Joe guy. I loved his stuff in the 2000s. Um, but people are massively into him. Um, it's not really gone Wardlow's way of late. And I don't see a lot of people clamoring for him to win that belt back. Mm. Maybe it's not a foregone conclusion. Um, ultimately... This TNT title, he can't book the reins. He can book the chases. By God, yeah. he can book the chases. I suppose he's booking Joe's reign, and people that's really well received. He can't book a baby face TNT reign. I think I'd rather see Hobbs take it off Joe. Oh, I'm 100% at this point. It's a shame because I'm, I don't want to forget and be a goldfish what it is about Wardlow that I gravitated towards because it took years of just really great slow burn investment, but the, the, they might have pissed it away, Wilborn. Yeah. Um, another hyperbolic statement here. This might have been next up one of my favorite. Well, looks like we've had enough time. It's time for the main event. Because our new favorites were involved in this. I say our new favorites, they've been Andy's favorites for quite some time. The Butcher and the Blade. So, eight man. Chuck Taylor, Trent Barrett, Dustin Rhodes, and Orange Cassidy with Danhausen versus Butcher Blade, Sabian, and Trent Seven, right? And Sabian and Seven starts off, but no one cares about that because it's time for Butcher to get involved and say, I've been waiting someone to call 1-800-SEE-YA all week. And then he's like, I can't wait to kick some ass, basically. And then I wrote down verbatim what Blade said because I thought Blade was excellent here as well. Newsflash, slick! We're gonna slice you. We're gonna dice you. We're gonna split you open and watch you spill your guts. Yeah, just ridiculous, badass theater. That's what this should be. Not, uh, I'll see you, see you out there, right? And that's it. And you're like, uh, you, I was there. They already know about this. And Mark Henry being like, oh, saying his customary phrase to get 
get his paycheck for the week. You could just use a soundboard at this point. We do. Yeah. Because we do. Um, and then I was thinking, like, oh, are we going to get some, like, crap comedy from the others? But it was genuinely good. Dustin's like, wait a second, don't, Mark, don't, before you get into you. Oh, I'm not going to play again. No, please don't. Um, but do we not get to say anything back? And Chuck and Trent go, one um, 800C is uh, not got enough numbers in it for a phone number, plus it's got some letters, so it doesn't count. And then we get the setup for the match. And, yeah, they go down to the ring, and the match starts with... <laughs> I feel bad for laughing at it. The Battle of the Trents. Now... <laughs> Visually, it was quite, quite the thing to look at. I'm sure many people would stand across from Trent Barretta and be like, oh. Inadequate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was just like, I like the, the touch of like Trent versus Trent and the crowd cheering for Trent. I'm just a simple man You sometimes. are a simple man sometimes, yeah. Um, they exchange <laughs> shops and forearms. They take each other out of the double clothesline. Um, Sabian and uh, Cassidy get into it in the ring. Uh, Sabian goes to the floor and uh, tries to bait Orange Cassidy out there. Uh, and when he does, they're uh, Penelope Ford and the bunny, and he's just cowering behind both of them. Uh, that means that Cassidy can get dumped out to the floor by the butcher, and Sabian can whip him into the ring barricades, and Butcher and Blade are working over Trent Barretta, and we go to break. When we come back, uh, Dustin gets the hot tag, and it was white. Obviously, they're in Texas. Uh, gets heat on the heels, hit them all with, uh, all three of them with spinning power slams, and then hit seven with a flip-flop and fly for a near fall. Um, Cassidy tries to take out both Butcher and Blade with a Rana, but they uh, hit their finisher on him instead. Then... Best friends hit Butcher and Blade with dives on the floor. Sabian springs. Synchronicity. Yeah. Well, synchronization, sorry, was perfect. Sabian follows with a great springboard moonsault to the floor, and then uh, Dustin Rhodes hits a dive onto the pile of them out there. Uh, they get back in the ring, and it looks like the bunny's going to interfere. But then Orange Cassidy does his best Eddie Guerrero impression, but Saul's belt, this time he just sells a non-existent low blow Ford gets to the ring, Dan Housen comes in, it looks like he's going to curse her, then he starts selling a fake low blow, the referee kicks both women out, Sabian comes in and nails Dan Housen with a shoot low blow, um, and he's gotten rid of, Seven counters a superplex from Beretta and hits a nice sort of brilliant transition suddenly into like a Mishinoku driver off the top rope. Um, Rhodes breaks up the pin. He gets the tag. He uh, catches Sabian coming off the top with an atomic drop. Then he hits a, what was it called? A Texan destroyer rather than a Canadian destroyer? Dallas destroyer. Dallas destroyer. Thank you. Same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it sets him up for the, the shattered dreams, the unnatural kick in the corner to the cack, basically. Impulse. Impulse. And... Uh, but the referee's like, hey, he can't do that. So in amongst all this, in comes Orange Cassidy to do the soft kicks to it um, and then distracts the referee so that Rhodes could actually do it. Seven tries to make the save. He gets sent, uh, sent straight headfirst into... These nuts. And uh, then gets hit with the orange punch. And uh, Rhodes hits Seven with a bulldog for the one, two, three. A fun main event, this. This is really fun. I don't want to... Do the whole, oh, that's not much worth analysing here. It was just a fun, light, really sort of fun main event. Yeah. They worked hard to make it fun. They thought deeply about how to make it fun, how to build the punch lines here. Um, I, nah, it's just radiant, this. This is just a 
radiating sense of a lot of people having a wild time backstage, putting this thing together, um, and it was just so much fun, but not in an effortless, carefree, light, it's December sort of way. Like, they really, 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 really thought deeply about building the excitement, building the sense of fun, like crafting the punchlines, wrong footing you with that incredible execution of the Dallas Destroyer because you thought, oh, I can see what this match is. It's fun. It's really well put together and well detailed and well thought out, but it's fun, it's fun, it's fun. Oh, my God, that's one of those spectacular things I've seen all year. This was a real, real, real good bit of business, this. Mm. And I think it deserves credit for the architecture of it. Really good stuff, this. and A a great way to end the show. Um, So let us know your thoughts on the World Cup. Uh, I think I'm not going to forget this as long as I live. I just missed the. I, I mean, it's bad that it's it's bad enough that it's over, but Sige, we'll always have the one pm kickoffs. Uh, we had this office tradition, Mike. Yeah, I'm surprised any work got done. <laughs> and we crammed as much as we could writing and podcasts, and um, you know, actually formatting the podcasts and uploading them, put some bloody work in as well. So put some respect behind the great Adam Wilborn's name. Also, we could have the second half on the lappies. Mm. But the first half just uninterrupted on your lunch. What a lovely tradition we established there. Well, let's know your thoughts on AW Rampage on Twitter uh, at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, of course, as I said. Uh, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, you can check out the SmackDown review of myself and Hamlet right now. And then me, Sidge, and Hamlet will be back later on today to preview Monday Night Raw. But for now, this has been the Rampage Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 